Welcome to this podcast from Riverside Church Whitstable. We hope you find it helpful and encouraging. If you would like to find out more information about us, why not check out our website at riversideuk.org, our Facebook page, or follow us on Twitter at WhitRiverside. I think that's everything. Now, last week we talked about the special people that were coming today, yes? <laughs> They've been on the website. They were shocked to find their faces featuring. They've been on Facebook. We can't big them up enough. They are very special friends to us. We've known them for over 25 years, which is making us all feel very old. They're with some of their family today, which they'll share about. But I just want to welcome Nigel and Joe Hemming um, from Winchester Vineyard, originally Birmingham. Um, but, uh, yeah, come on up and share with us. Thanks very much. Well, thanks so much for having us today. You know, it is just a joy to be with you. It's really hard for us being away from our family church, which is in Winchester, but coming and being part of your family and worshipping with you is just so lovely. Um, and, you know, I was really blessed. I, as I came in today, I got a hug from the lady who was on the door. I just thought, wow, this is a really good place to be. So thank you for your welcome. Um, as Keely said, we have known these guys 25 years. It all started in 1993 when we did our first all-age service together. And so Nigel wrote a little jingle, and Simon wore his sparkly bow tie, and the rest is history. And so with Christmas coming, perhaps the sparkly bow tie might get another outing. You never know. <laughs> Watch this never space. <laughs> never know. So as Katie said, we're here with some of our family. So our eldest daughter, Becky, um, isn't here. She's away doing an internship um, at a vineyard church over in Ireland, and we'll tell you a little bit about one of the stories about her um, later on. And we also have two boys with us. So we've got Zach who's sitting down here with Jonah, he's 16, and JJ has snuck out to be part of the youth who are planning um, the nativity, I think. JJ's a bit of a kind of jazz hands guy, and so he was keen to go and be part of that today. He'll want to come back and be part of it, probably. <laughs> That's right, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, um, as I've mentioned, we, are, we lead Winchester Vineyard Church. We've been in Winchester about eight years, but prior to that, we um, served with Simon and Keeley in the church in Birmingham. And I don't know if you know, but um, as part of the Vineyard family, there are 130... Um, churches and counting in the UK and Ireland. And so today there are about 25,000 of our vineyard family who are meeting to worship in different places. And isn't it lovely that wherever we go, there are other believers who we can connect with and who we can worship God with together. Um, It's great to be with you. Um, Just one thing on the vineyard. We love the vineyard church. We've been part of it for donkey's years. But uh, it's not the best church. Uh, It's not the only church, but it is the family God's called us to. And so we love being here and sharing with you guys. I know that's quite a new thing for some of you. Um, hopefully uh, this will help. So are you, are you going to stay there? Right. Um, you We're may have a bit of a tag team. We, so. we are. We're going to do a little bit of... I just back. like interrupting. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to do a bit of a little back and forth. You might have noticed that it's Advent. It's already been mentioned this morning that it's Advent season. Um, my son already... I don't know how many of you have got yours, got your chocolates, got it all sorted out. But the word Advent, I don't know if you know what it means... It it means coming. It's from the Latin word that means coming. And uh, down the centuries, when Christians have talked about Advent and the coming of Jesus, they haven't just referred to the Christmas story. That's part of it. But actually, Christians usually speak about three different comings of Jesus. The first one being, Jesus comes in the flesh as a human in Bethlehem. Day. And the third one being the coming of Jesus in glory at the end of time, as he's promised. And so when we start to celebrate Advent... It's not just the, oh, right, the countdown to Christmas. It's actually uh, much deeper than that. We're joining with the people of God down the centuries who have longed for the coming of the Messiah Jesus. And we're staying alert and we're staying ready 
as we look forward to his second coming and as we embrace his coming with us, just as we have done as we've worshipped this morning and every day and every week. And so in that spirit, we want to read um, a passage from the Bible from Luke chapter 1. If you have a Bible, uh, you might want to look it up or if you've got the Bible on your phone. Um, It's a pretty well-known story. We're going to read the story of uh, the angel. Some people, the, the posh word for this is the Annunciation. Okay, but it's the part where the angel Gabriel appears to Mary, uh, and it's in Luke chapter 1 and verse 26. And Joe's going to read it, so do follow on uh, if you want. Oh, so sorry, is that better? Can you hear me now? Great, sorry, (laughs) thank you. Okay, so we are in Luke chapter 1, starting at verse 26. You may have it on your phone, or it is available in the paper version too these days, if you'd like one. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy... God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a village in Galilee, to a virgin named Mary. She was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David. Gabriel appeared to her and said, Greetings, favoured woman. The Lord is with you. Confused and disturbed, Mary tried to think what the angel could mean. Don't be afraid, Mary, the angel told her. For you have found favour with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be very great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David, and he will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. Mary asked the angel, But how can this happen? I'm a virgin. The angel replied, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the baby to be born will be holy, and he will be called the Son of God. What's more, your relative Elizabeth has become pregnant in her old age. People used to say she was barren, but she has conceived a son and is now in her sixth month. For the word of God will never fail. Mary responded, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. And then the angel left her. And I'm going to leave too. (laughs) She's coming back, don't worry. This is a really well-known passage, isn't it, in the Bible. It's read aloud in carol services around uh, the UK, probably around the world, every Christmas. And it's kind of, for me, it signifies the start of the story of Christmas. But I wonder how much we actually think about what it really might mean to us here and now. Um, it's, a pretty, it's, a pretty, it's a pretty unreal story, isn't it? And, but as a, and so as with all Bible passages... Uh, What we're going to do is just look at what it might mean then and what it might mean to us now. And the story kicks off with two key facts about Mary right at the start. Um, The first one is that she was engaged to a man named Joseph, which had its own cultural uh, relevance uh, there. And the second one, it makes it very clear that this girl Mary was a virgin. She hasn't had sex with anyone. She hasn't slept with anyone. And so it seems that Mary is this normal girl born to a regular Jewish family in a little village, kind of back beyond Nazareth. She's devout, she's getting ready to be married, she's getting on with her life, quiet, unassuming life, going to the synagogue like good Jews do, studying the scriptures, I imagine. Um, I can't imagine that she was expecting any kind of a encounter the way that this happened when the angel appeared to her. 
It's not an everyday occurrence, is it, that the angel appears. And so the first is with you. And it says that she was, well, some accounts say she was troubled. I don't imagine troubled really covers it for me. Um, the one that Joe read was uh, she was confused and disturbed. Um, the angel has to reassure her, hey, Mary, don't be afraid. It's okay, because it really isn't every day that an angel talks to you. Anyway, once she's calmed down, the angel gives her this really big news. And to sum it up in three, in three phrases, the angel says, firstly, you found favor with God, Mary. You found favor with God. Secondly, you are going to conceive and have a son. And thirdly, he is going to be called Jesus and he is going to rule and change the world. Now just pause for a minute and imagine if this was you. Now I know that most mothers think that their children are going to be amazing and that they think they're going to, you know, just do brilliant things with their life. But can you imagine somebody telling you your baby is going to rule the world? Your baby is going to rule the world. And Mary's simple response, it wasn't a case of, I don't believe you. It wasn't, for example, like it was with Zechariah, where, oh, can you prove it to me? How can, how can you show me? It was simply, how is it going to happen? Because I'm a virgin. I haven't slept with anybody. And even back then, although they didn't know everything we know about genetics and science, they still knew that you needed to sleep with someone to be pregnant. The angel says, God is going to do this supernaturally and miraculously. He said, God has got this. And actually, probably from knowing the scriptures, the Old Testament that Mary would have been familiar with and studied growing up, she would have been aware of stories of God performing miracles of all types of, of all different types. Miraculous signs and wonders that God performed, supernatural encounters, including several stories of women who have conceived children in seemingly impossible situations. So, for example, when they were too old or when they were called barren, like um, Sarah, Abraham's wife, who conceived of Isaac when she was scientifically far too old. Another one was the story of Hannah in the, in the Old Testament, who conceived of Samuel after crying out to God for a miracle, which seemed completely impossible. And even by way of a real-life example, the angel points to Mary's cousin, Elizabeth, who is much older than her and who everyone has called barren because she's got all the way through to old age and just can't conceive. And yet, as the angel says, look, even your cousin Elizabeth, who everyone calls barren, is having a baby. Miracles can happen. Nothing is impossible with God. And so Mary thinks about that and makes a choice there and then to choose to believe what the angel is saying and to go with what God wants to do and there's stuff for us to learn from that and Joe will come back to that in a few minutes but I just want to look at two bigger picture questions first that try and help us understand this story and the context and why it's relevant because I believe that this story is for far more than just Christmas you see over the years people have questioned this story can this really be true is it even possible that a virgin could give birth. The story is told in Matthew, as we've read. No, sorry, we've read the Luke version. It's told in Matthew and in Luke in two very different ways. And it's hardly commented on in the rest of the New Testament. Paul never even talks about the birth of Jesus, which suggests that it probably was a well-known story among the early church, and it was a widely accepted story. I mean, think about it. We're talking about people who have eyewitnessed the grown-up Jesus doing, performing some creative miracles 
Stuff that is just kind of impossible any other way by the power of God. I mean, we're talking about people who've even performed miracles themselves by the power of God. We're talking eyes that were blind, restored to sight. We're talking about the lame that can walk, limbs that didn't work, working again. We're talking about people afflicted by demons and spirits walking free. And we're actually, let's just say it how it is, talking about dead people coming back to life. And so if you've seen all of that firsthand, it's not much of a problem to believe that the same God who can do all that, the God who created the universe, the God who heals the sick, the God who raises the dead, can also put a baby in a young girl's womb supernaturally. How is this going to happen? And Mary does ask that question. Excuse me, ask that question. And we'll come back to that in a minute. But it would be even more important to ask the question, why? Excuse me, why? Why would God want to do this here and now? What is so significant about this child? And in the story uh, that Luke tells, the angel makes three claims about Jesus. It's in verse 32 and 33. The first thing he says is this guy will be great. In fact, not just great, but the actual son of God. Mary, this isn't just any baby um, we're gonna, God's going to put in your womb. This is the son of God. He's going to be really special. Secondly, the angel says he will be a king in the line of David, which is something that's prophesied throughout the Old Testament in a number of different places, that when the Messiah comes, he will be in David's line. He will be a king an ancestor, uh, uh, in David's ancestors. And the third thing he says is that this guy will reign over Israel and over the whole world. I mean, these are bold claims to make about a little baby who's going to be born in a little country to an unknown woman with some pretty dubious rumors flying around about his legitimacy. But that's because this event is a major part of God's bigger kingdom story. As I said, it's so much more than just Christmas. It's so much more than just a baby in a manger. And to fully understand Jesus, we need to see where he fits in the story of the Bible. The best way to think about this, the best way to understand this, is to think about the, uh, the phrase, the kingdom of God. And one of the key understandings, one of the key distinctives that John Wimber, who is the guy who started the Vineyard Movement, brought not just to the Vineyard, but to the wider church, was an understanding about the kingdom of God. How to read the Bible through the lens of the kingdom of God. You see, we firmly believe that Jesus wasn't just a morally good man or even a wise teacher. He was God in human form. That he came to earth to establish God's rule and reign on earth. That he showed us how to live life according to God's values, which at the time really challenged the religious leaders of the day and still really challenged some of us now. And he pointed the way to God through his teachings and he demonstrated the power of God through miracles and then through his sacrificial death on the cross and his subsequent resurrection, he provided the way for all of us to be forgiven and to have a new life in God. I mean, wow, what a ministry, what a man, what a God. And we in the vineyard are kingdom people. And we believe firmly, wholeheartedly that we are called to continue Jesus' kingdom mission, to continue what he started to bring his love and his power and his hope and his healing to a messed up, broken world and to see people changed and transformed through signs and wonders and the preaching of the gospel, the sharing of this good news in the same way as he did. Now that's what we're trying to do in our church in Winchester 
It's what vineyard churches around the country are trying to do in all kinds of practical ways. And I know it's what you guys here in Riverside Vineyard Whitstable are about. Through the services that you run here, through the small groups and the ministries. I've just had a very quick tour around of your building. What fabulous things are going on there. One awesome place this is for serving a community. I think God loves your inside out focus. It starts here, but it goes out. I was just struck by how far you're... By the way, I'm excited about buildings, as you can see. And I haven't been to this one. We came to see Simon and Keely when they were first inducted in your old building. So I was thrilled to be here. I followed the story on social media. I'm really struck by how much of your building, how little of it is worship space. And obviously this is a powerhouse because this is where we meet with God and this is where we get empowered to do the stuff. But how much more of it is all about reaching out and it's all about welcoming people in and serving the needs of a community. And that's awesome. And through all of that, you are continuing the kingdom work of Jesus that he's called all of us to do. To make a difference in the communities around you. To serve and share the power of the love of Jesus. See, when John, in his gospel, introduces Jesus... He says this, I'm going to quote you from um, the message version of the Bible because I love this bit. Um, It says in John chapter 1 verse 14, the word became flesh and blood, the word being God. The word became, we saw the glory with our own eyes, the one of a kind glory, like father, like son, generous inside and out, true from start to finish. That was John's description of what was going on when God sent Jesus at Christmas. Jesus didn't just move into that neighborhood Jesus is moving into every neighborhood. He's moving into this neighborhood through your church. He's moving into your neighborhoods wherever you live. He's moving into our neighborhood in Hairstock in Winchester. And through his body, the church, he's continually showing his generosity, bringing his glory and demonstrating what God is really like. That's the story that we live. So there was a guy in our church and he's been a Christian for many years. But honestly... He was pretty messed up and broken. He arrived at our church. Things weren't going great. And then they went downhill. He's gone through a broken marriage. In his own words, probably messed up by an addiction to porn that he had. And yet, as he got to rock bottom and started to come up again, he encountered God in a new way. And as part of a community, he made choices to get stuck into doing life differently. Life groups joined a small group recovery course, accountability partners, and seeing God begin to make a difference and break through the power of his addiction that's kind of been holding him for so long. He's working on honoring his wife. He's trying to restore their marriage. And he's walking steadily into freedom. And what's beautiful about it is he's also beginning to help others in similar circumstances, both inside and outside of the church. Now that's just one story, and we know there are stories here, similar stories of change and transformation. And that in your community, people are extending God's kingdom, they're demonstrating his love, they're helping one another, and reaching out to those in great need. And we love the journey you're on, and by the way, if it needed to be said, we commend Simon and Keely to you, because we know that they are passionate people about following Jesus, and doing his stuff, and helping to equip and empower others to do the same. Why the virgin birth? Because God's kingdom was breaking in. And because he nearly always chooses normal, everyday, regular people like you and me to partner with. So that's the why. 
And what about the how? You see, Mary asked, how is this going to happen? How is God going to do this incredible creative miracle? And the angel's answer was a kind of double explanation. She said, that, sorry, not she, he. Yeah, I always think of angels as women, but it was a bloke. Anyway, I don't know what it was. It was an angel. <laughs> anyway, the, the angel's answer was that the Holy Spirit will come on you and the power of God will overshadow you. So in other words, there's two parts. There's Mary's part to play that she will do with the Spirit's help. The Holy Spirit will come on you to empower you to do the bit that you need to do. And then the power of God will overshadow you. There's going to be this bit that only God could do and that God does. And both are going to be necessary for Jesus to be born. Think about it. Just come out of that story and into a different scenario. Think about when you pray for somebody to be healed physically. Maybe it's in church here. Maybe it's out on the streets. Some of our guys go out on healing on the streets and do teams there. How many of you have prayed for somebody to get healed from some sort of physical condition. Just raise your hand in the air. Wonderful. We were praying with a guy, one of our interns this week, Chris. He had a really bad... We sat down for lunch, just the, the, the team sitting down together, and he had a really bad knee. And so he couldn't really stand properly, and we started to pray. So we said, okay, come on, let's pray. So we started to pray, and we prayed for him for a minute or so, and we said, any different? And I'll be honest, I wasn't expecting much, but we were doing the thing anyway. I was praying, and Joe said, any different? What's happening? He went, oh, yeah, it's going down. So I said, great, let's pray again. So we kept praying, kept praying. We actually, uh, one girl just kept praying with him for about four or five minutes and completely healed. Completely healed. Anyway, when you do that, when you pray for somebody, who is it who is doing the healing? It's God. Brilliant. They're not hard questions. (laughs) It sounds like a squirrel, but the answer must be Jesus. No, sorry. Who is it who does the healing? It's God. Who is it who does the praying? It's us. In other words, when God comes to heal somebody, he is capable of doing it supernaturally. He is capable of clicking his fingers, but more often than not, he chooses us to partner with. Okay? He wants to work through us. He wants to work with us. He created us and called us to live this kind of kingdom partnership. So stuff happens when we respond to what God is doing, when we step out in faith and encourage. So, you know, I heard a little bit of the story about how you guys got to be in this building. I'm sure that some of you started to dream about a new church building that would better, better help you meet the needs of your community and enable you to grow. And you probably wondered how it was going to be possible because this kind of stuff takes a lot of money and a lot of planning and a lot of expertise and a lot of hassle and all of that can be tricky. And yet, you took some steps of faith. And as you did, God began to answer prayers and open up a way for this to happen. And and here you are. God did his bit. You did your bit. Similarly, when you started looking for new leaders, little did you know as you prayed and agreed a job description and started to advertise that God was preparing this couple here, who I'm not sure had even been to Kent before, to be honest, to move away from their family, to come right out down out of the Midlands, out of a church movement they'd grown up in, to come and take up this role. And yet... Here they were. God was talking to them. He was doing his bit. You were doing your bit. I remember when they first told us about this place, I thought, Kent, really? (laughs) And yet God had it all in hand. He did his bit. You did your bit. And so with Mary, it's the same. God's part was supernaturally to create the baby in her womb. When he says the most high will overshadow you, that's what he was doing. But Mary equally had to do her part. I mean, physically, She was going to have to do what all mothers have to do before, during, and after a birth. She's going to provide a safe place for the baby to develop. She's going to go through the challenges of labor and birth without the pain relief that we know about today. I'm talking like I know what I mean, you know. (laughs) 
I don't know nothing about. I don't know nothing about giving birth. Um, she's going to have to raise the child. She's going to have to care for him and nurture him. But she's also going to have to deal with the emotional and spiritual pressure of this role. You see, even before he's born, she's going to face the stigma of being an unmarried mother and all that that means in their community. There's no guarantee at this point that her husband-to-be, Joseph, will stand by her. I mean, he does because God speaks to him, but at that point, that wasn't in his plan. And so she's looking at doing all of this that the angel has told us to do, potentially on her own. And then there's the challenge of raising a child whose legitimacy, as I said, is always going to be in question. And if this kid really is the promised Messiah, or I'm waiting for and praying for for the past few hundred years, then that's not going to be easy. That could bring trouble. There will be unwanted attention. Maybe she even has a vague inkling about what's going to happen around his death 33 years later. Who would ask for all of that pressure, all that emotional and spiritual pressure, never mind the physical side? Who would take that all on? Now, this is just my idea. I don't think you can read it in the text, so I'm supposing here. But when Mary says, how can this be? because I'm a virgin. I don't think, as I said, she's questioning God's ability to do his part of the miracle. I think she's asking about the practicalities. How is this going to work? But I wonder if she's also questioning her own ability to play her part. Can I really do this? Can I do? Can I go through with this? Have I got the mental strength to face all of that emotional and spiritual pressure as well as the physical pressure and all of that. Can I really do what this angel is asking me to do? And the answer the angel gives is yes, God will do his part and the Holy Spirit will enable you to do yours. And the truth is with the Holy Spirit's help we can do incredible things. Really incredible things. You can do things that you just did not know that you were capable of when God's Holy Spirit comes and dwells inside us. Let me read you uh, just a quote from Tom Wright, who is a Bible teacher, and then Joe's going to come and take over. He says this, Mary is, to that extent, the supreme example of what always happens when God is at work by grace through human beings. God's power from the outside and the indwelling spirit within together results in things being done which would have been unthinkable any other way. And so when the angel says to Mary, you are going to be able to do your bit because the Holy Spirit is going to be with you, he is going to empower you to do the things that God is calling you to do. And that is the same for all of us. Whatever our circumstance, whatever our scenario, what is God doing with you? How are we changing and growing what dreams is he putting in our hearts? What is, he, what is he conceiving in us? What is he calling us to bring to birth? So as we pondered on this story about Mary, we just asked the Lord if there was anything specific that he wanted to say to you as individuals in a church family today. And I grew up going to a Baptist church, so all the sermons I used to hear had three points starting with the same letter. And amazingly, God spoke to me in that way too, for you guys. So there are three W's. The W's are welcome, waiting, and wonder. So first of all, let's think about the welcome. 
You know, the amazing thing about this story is it reminds us that God breaks into ordinary, everyday lives and invites us, just like Mary, to be part of his big story. We are all welcomed into his kingdom. You know, in the vineyard, I love there's a phrase that we often use, which is that everybody gets to play. It doesn't matter how old you are, how rich or poor you are, how beautiful or ugly you are, what your past or your history is, you're invited to be part of this thing. (coughs) And Mary was a pretty unlikely candidate. You know, later on in the passage, she calls herself a lowly servant girl. She was a woman in a time when women didn't have a voice or didn't often have a voice. They didn't often have um, power or education. And yet she was chosen by God to work out this amazing kingdom plan. And I don't know about you, but maybe you feel like you've disqualified yourself because of your background or because of your experiences or because that you haven't had very much education or whatever it is. But the story of God all the way through the Bible is that he chooses people who have disqualified themselves, who don't think much about themselves, and yet he welcomes them to be part of his big plan. And just like Mary, we have to choose whether or not we're going to respond. And so today, it might be that you haven't thought about this before. You've come along to church as a guest today. You're not actively following Jesus. You're just having a look. And today, his arms are open wide, and he welcomes you and says, will you become part of the story with me? Will you give your yes to Jesus today? Maybe for the first time. And that's something to think about. Today's a good day to say yes. But it might be that you've been walking with Jesus for a long, long time. And today is a day when you can give your yes to Jesus again. You know, Nigel and I used to um, do a lot of work with children. And sometimes when you're working with people, you say it's really important that you have a time when you know that you've kind of followed, chosen to follow Jesus, you've said yes to him. But actually, as we all know, the practice, practically, we have to choose to say yes every day. There are circumstances and situations and life experiences that come up, don't they? And in each of those, even if we are Christians, we're believers, we're followers of Jesus, we actually have to choose, am I going to do this thing the way that Jesus would? Or am I going to do it my own way? And so today the encouragement is to say yes. This week a couple from our church called Brian and Hilary came to see us. They've just celebrated 50 years of marriage and they are in their early 70s. And they came to see us because they're leaving our church family. They have been called by God to go and be part of a church plant in another town, which is just a bit closer to where they live. So they're not moving, but they're actually moving where they're going to be worshipping. And when they told me, I cried. Now, if you know me, I am a bit of a crier. And I cried because I'm sad that they're going. But actually, I also cried because I was completely delighted that they know that God continues to call us that God has a journey for us, that God has a plan and a purpose for us, however old we are. You could look at Brian and Hillary, who have served God faithfully in so many different ways over many, many years, and say, do you know, it's time for them to kind of sit by the fire, put their feet up, do a bit of knitting, and just have a bit of a rest. Who would think that was a bad idea? Well, they would, because they're still listening to Jesus, who is still calling them on to do the next thing. And that's a story for all of us. Wherever we are, the journey just doesn't stop. We don't settle we keep going and at the end of the passage we see that Mary despite not knowing all the answers or how things are going to pan out she responds with that yes she says I'm the Lord's servant may everything you've said about me come true she recognizes that God's in charge that she's the servant and she chooses to accept and to surrender and to believe 
And at this stage, I was thinking about it. She had nothing to show for it. There was no baby. There was not even a bump. And I don't know, for those of us who have had babies, you know, she probably didn't even have those early signs yet, that metallic taste in her mouth or whatever it was that shows you that you are expecting a baby. But she chose to agree with God and say yes to him. And today we're invited to to do the same. So the first W is that there's a welcome. We're all welcomed, we're all invited to be part of the big story. Are we going to say yes today? The second thing that struck me for you, actually, is that often... When we've said yes to God, there is a period of waiting. Mary had seen her purpose. She was going to be the mum to the Son of God. A huge and daunting task, like as Nigel said, that she could only do with God's help. And we know that God has spoken to you as a church family. He's given you new leaders. He's brought you into a new place. You've changed your name. You've joined a new family. There's a lot of expectation. There's a lot that God wants to do in and through you. But sometimes God speaks and gives us a vision for the future. And we actually have to have a little time of pondering and of waiting. We need to think about the part that we have to play in the big thing that he's called us together as a group to do. And maybe in this time of Advent, it's a good time for you to pause and ponder. Every day as you open that little Advent calendar box and suck on your chocolate... Or maybe you've got an Advent candle at home that you're just going to sit and reflect over as it burns down. I just encourage you in this time of Advent, as you are waiting for Christmas, as you're waiting for Jesus to come again, that you actively wait and ponder and pray and say, God, what is it that you want to be doing with us as a church family? And how do we get ready for that? Maybe he's put dreams in your heart that you haven't seen yet. To be an amazing businesswoman, to be a compassionate teacher, To be someone who welcomes the elderly who are alone and isolated into family and into community. He's put dreams in your hearts that only you can do. But sometimes we just have to wait until it's time for them to come to birth. And waiting isn't just sitting back with our feet up. Mary was active in her waiting. She went to visit her cousin. She pondered, she prayed. If you read the passage or read on a little bit, you'll see she sang an amazing song which was expectation and looking forward to who God was and what he was going to do. And so in this season of Advent, I just encourage you to actively ponder on what God said to you and look forward to what he wants to do with you. You know, part of waiting is learning to trust God's timing. It's not always easy. It can be frustrating. And it's important to remember why you are waiting. You're waiting because you trust God's thinking more than your thinking. And in human terms, if a baby's born early, we know that that can cause all kinds of complications. And so if you're in a place now where you have a dream, you feel like there's a a baby of an idea or a dream inside you, but it's not happening yet, I just encourage you to hang on, to ponder and to pray, and to ask God for the right time for this dream to come to birth. It's going to be worth the wait. And if you don't know what that dream is, if you don't know what your part to play is, ask God and he will show you and talk to your small group leaders and come and talk to Simon and Keeley. You know, they have great experience of helping many, many people find out where they fit, what their part to play is, what it is they should be doing. And then as we know from experience, giving them a bit of a boot up the backside when it's needed to help them step out into it. So if you're in a place of being stuck, don't be stuck. (coughs) Ask for some help. So first of all, there's a welcome for us. Sometimes we have to wait. 
And then the third point is just there are going to be things that happen that make us wonder. Not, not really wondering what on earth's going on, but wondering with awe and wonder, wow, how did God do that? Wow, did he use me to do that? Nigel was talking about healing earlier on. You know, I don't know if you've ever prayed for somebody and seen a miracle happen in front of your eyes. I prayed for someone who had one leg shorter than the other and saw a leg grow literally in front of my eyes, which made me go, wow, that is absolutely amazing. How did that happen? That's God at work. And one something that I wanted to encourage you in as a church family is that as you cooperate with God, as you hang on to the things that he has for you, as you step out into that, there are miracles to come. There are many things that you will see happen that will make you wonder. That will make you wonder, wow, God, how did you do that? And wow, God, did you use us, Riverside Vineyard Church in Whitstable, to bring about this thing? You know, I said I mentioned our daughter Becky. She is over in Northern Ireland. It's taking a gap year. And she's working as part of a team who go out and share Jesus with people on the streets. That's something they do every week. And this is completely out of her comfort zone. She really, doesn't really like doing that kind of thing. And each week they've gone out and they have been looking for opportunities to pray for people and share with them. And week on week, they've seen all kinds of pe- things happen. They've seen people healed. They've seen people choosing to follow Jesus for the first time. Lots and lots of results except our Becky hasn't really seen anybody come to know Jesus for the first time. And she has week on week kind of pulled up her courage again and gone out and, you know, felt kind of frustrated and thought, is anything going to happen? And this week we got a text from her. She said, I led someone to Jesus today. She'd kept on going. She kept on persisting, even though she felt fed up and frustrated and wasn't really sure it was really going to happen. And, you know, does this really work anyway? And yet she'd chosen to keep going. And you know, some of you are in that place where you need to choose to keep going. You have been being faithful. You have been doing what God's called you to do. But actually, you're flagging. And the encouragement today is God is here. God is coming. Jesus is coming back. And there are things that are going to happen within your lives and within your church family that are just going to make you wonder. And not just you, but the people around you, the people who look on, people like us who are cheering you on, but people in your wider community who are going to look and say, God is real. God has to be real. Look how he's transformed that situation. Look how he's transformed that person. And so in this season, ponder, wait, pray, and look forward with expectation about what God wants to do with you. So we're almost done here. Just to kind of close up, we feel like, as Joe said, we did try and pray and just ask the Lord if there was anything he wanted to particularly say for you. And Joe shared some of that. And I just felt to say this, that God has an incredible future for this church. For you guys as individuals following Jesus. And for you as a church community set on being part of a kingdom transformation plan in Whitstable and the surrounding areas. And when I asked God what he wanted to say, I felt him remind me that it was the two, two words, people and purpose. That God is about building people and he's also about developing and building purpose. It's both things. One leads to another. They're kind of circular. The story of your church, as I said earlier, is an inward to outward journey that God loves and wants to continue growing. And there's so much more. And all of this starts in the hearts of people. We come to him. This is what we can learn from this story of Mary today. We, as we come to him, as we spend time in his presence, he reveals more to us, more of himself, more of his purpose, more of his plans. He puts dreams in our hearts. 
And many of you have dreams in your hearts, as Joe said, that maybe you've been waiting for many years for them to be fulfilled. Maybe you're waiting for them to come into being. Astonishing, hope-filled, life-changing, audacious kingdom initiatives that will actually change people's destinies forever. And God is developing and growing purpose in the hearts and minds of his people here. Actually, of anyone who wants to listen to him and cooperate with him. And he's bringing his purposes to birth in this community. And as you and we, all of us, step into that, he will do that. And he will also continue to build us, his people. When we embrace the waiting, as Joe said, when we embrace the wonder, when we try and step into what God's doing and try and grow up to the mark, then we will mature in character so that we can be the people he needs us to be. You know, we cannot make God's plans happen on our own. It isn't possible. But we can be ready for what he wants to do. We can grow to be the kind of people who he can work with, who he can trust, who he can run with. You know, maybe he had a bunch of other people who he wanted to be here and do this. But they weren't the ones who said, yes, you guys were. Maybe there's some other group of people somewhere who he wants to use to impact Whitstable to change lives and see hearts changed and change the community. And, and there probably are around, but you guys are the ones who said yes to this plan. And so God wants to use you and he wants to build his purpose in you and he wants to build us as people to run with his dreams. And if you're in that season of waiting, maybe it is because God is looking for you to grow in character, to mature in faith. And if that's the, same, if that's your, if that's the case for you, we'd really encourage you to just to press in with all your heart. And if you, like Mary, are aware that God is inviting you to take bold steps with him, then again, we'd encourage you, whatever that looks like, to step forward to him today and to give your yes to him. So why don't we stand together for a moment? Thank you for listening. If you would like to contact us about this talk, to hear more, or to find out about Riverside Church Whitstable, then visit our website at riversideuk.org. Also, you can contact us through our Facebook page or tweet us at Whit Riverside.